I think that when we are setting goals, it's really, really useful to make sure that those goals are grounded in a core value. I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode 18 with Tony Oswegan, a licensed mental health therapist, somatic trauma therapist, founders of Riverbank Therapy and the podcaster behind Tony Talks Therapy. And she also has this kick-ass Instagram channel where she shares amazing, helpful, very on-point and sometimes goofy content, all of it intended to help you better manage your life in general and emotional health in particular. In today's episode, Tony tells us how best to set goals for 2021 without letting all the baggage from 2020 get in the way. Due to the pandemic, which obviously continues to be a part of our reality, there was a lot we couldn't do last year. Some of us lost out on planned opportunities and some of us had to give up on certain projects. There was a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration all around. But now we're in a new year, And despite everything, it is a new beginning. So let's learn from an expert how best to set a new vision, a new plan for the coming year. And as we go through this journey, how best to manage our expectations and keep going, even if we do get some unpleasant surprises along the way. So let's get to it. Let me start by thanking you for making time, because as you said, your schedule is crazy. And I can imagine right now a lot of people need you. For sure, yeah. <laughs> Making the transition from 2020 to 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a time where a lot of people are seeking therapy for a lot of reasons. Um, 2021 specific, but also like New Year. Typically, we often get a lot more clients reaching out. So, yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad you you made it. And I wanted this to be the very first episode of 2021 because I think people really need to understand how best to handle this change. You know, in my final solo episode of last year, I I mentioned that I expect there to be like a cosmic shift as we go from 2020 to 2021, because that's what I wanted to believe. All the stars are going to align in our favor. Everything's going to go our way because I wanted everyone to believe that, but not everyone's going to take on that optimism, of course. So I think there are a lot of mixed emotions doing the rounds right now for me you know there's there's something to me emotionally significant about the idea of a new beginning like even if nothing has really changed but the date um you know 2021 is the same as 2020 you know new year same us um but to me the idea of like oh but this is new this is the potential I think of a new year, like a blank slate um, is something that I feel a lot of energy around and it's sort of cautious excitement and optimism about. (laughs) Um, And so I have this sort of grounded optimism about going into this year. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. And yours actually was the last post I read before I, like I've been on a digital detox of sorts for the past five days and your post was the last one I read 
uh, a really cool coincidence i think <laughs> because i'd already had this in my head I- i'll be connecting with her i'll be talking to her and i'll get to know this person a little bit better get to know their ideas a little bit better and i read this uh, post you created around how you're processing everything that's happened in 2020 so as a therapist i mean you already you have a better idea of how our mind works how it creates all these narratives all these stories and how have you been processing everything that's happened in 2020 oof that's a yeah it's a great question <laughs> i think i still am and probably will be for the rest of time i'm sure um, but the the things that are sort of helping me process one of them are like my personal ways of processing anything right meditation and journaling are cornerstone practices for me that i use all the time and i think having those to lean on throughout 2020 and as i continue to process things uh those are really helpful as time to like get grounded and centered in myself through meditation and to really connect to that like bigness of things um really really supports me in in sort of creating a container to hold everything that's happening um and then journaling sort of helps me do a little bit more consciously like let me write this down and write my thoughts out and what am i feeling what's going on and like what's my reaction to all of this um it really helps me sort of get my thoughts and emotions on paper um which is one of the ways that i just process almost anything um and and i think the other piece that's really been helping me is being in connection with other people talking to other people about you know what's going on for you how can i give you support how can you give me support like how can we be in this together i think you know 2020 of all years has really taught us how much we need each other yes yes absolutely <laughs> um, and going into 2021 that's something we need to remember um and so really like doing those practices on my own independently but then also going in conversation with other people my clients my friends my family about what's going on how are you doing how am i doing just being there for each other really yeah okay so meditation journaling and and being there for each other i've always adored journaling as a tool for better mental health to you know as is just a generally a tool to bring more joy into our life but i and I'm, i often you know try to convince people to take it on as as something to you know something to help you deal with things a little bit better but people are always a little confused how they're supposed to journal like it's not a dear diary thing it, it's not really supposed to be like that it can be if you want it to be so for all those listening how do they approach the whole process of journaling how can they get started totally totally um i'm going to plug two things that i've created that people can go and and look into if they want a lot more on this um so my my podcast tony talks therapy i have a whole episode on journaling it's like 45 minutes long <laughs> okay <laughs> where i talk through a lot of this so i'll give some of the bullet points of that today um but that is a great one to go and listen to and then i also have on my instagram and in my link in my bio a 30 days of journal prompts right. um that are sort of guided towards building self-awareness and self-compassion. And so, I'll just sort of plug those two resources I've got out there. Um and when I think about journaling, I I think it can take so many different forms, right? It can take the form of like you said, dear diary, here's what happened today and sort of narrating our life. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of utility in that, right? Like good um strong mental health is highly linked to having a clear narrative of who you are and what your life is about and so journaling regularly and narrating your life can help us sort of create that sense of i know what's going on and i know who i am in this happening 
Um, that's often not how I use journaling, but I think it is a useful way to go about it. Another way to go about it is to find prompts, right? If we're not used to journaling, if we're not naturally sort of verbal written people, it can be hard to know well, what, what the hell do I write on this piece of paper? I don't know. Mm. Um, and so finding prompts can be really helpful just to sort of get the juices flowing of like, oh, I hadn't thought about that question before. Or let me, you know, really look at, um, at this from somebody asking me something versus me just having to generate something to put on the page. So I think prompts can be really valuable and you can Google journal prompts, you can download my free thing, you can find journal prompts all over the place. And then the, another way, and this is primarily how I use journaling is just sort of free writing. You know, I just, when I sit down to journal, I'm like, I'm just gonna see what comes out of my pen. <laughs> and I've been journaling since I was like 10. And so, and I've been a therapist for now seven or eight years. And so I have a lot of like, questions in my mind that I, you know, sort of think through as I journal. I don't know how conscious it is anymore. Um, but I'll just write, you know, gosh, today is really tough. And here's what I'm feeling. And here's what's going on. And then I'll maybe ask myself a question and process that question. And my journal is sort of my way of doing therapy with myself. Um, and so it can just be that, right? Like free association writing, just put your pen on the paper, don't pick it up until the timer's gone off and just see what comes out. Um, Often we don't really know consciously what we're thinking or feeling and we start engaging with that part of our experience. Um, so I think that can be another way to do it. Yeah, I'm sure that can be helpful. So I really do hope people take this on because I found journaling to be like a, a massive help for me when I was going through a difficult phase. I think journaling was a lifesaver for me. So I really do hope people take it on. It, it can be yeah, it's an awesome practice. Yeah. And it, yeah. you get better, like with everything else in life, you get better as you keep journaling. And there's no like right or wrong way to do it, yeah. right? It's your journal. No one else is ever going to read it. So you can do whatever you want in those pages. And if it's helpful, then it's great, right? Um, yeah. And I think it's something we hone over time, like how we engage with that practice. Yeah. I hope that helps people. By the way, I love your like content you share on Instagram. It's always very on point. And I know you try to help people as much as you can with uh, the daily struggles. But I think right now, uh, the biggest struggle is setting new goals. Because I'm sure people have yeah. so many goals that they weren't able to achieve last year. So right now, setting a new yeah. vision would be all the more complicated for them. So what's the best approach people can take considering all the guilt and the shame that we're carrying right now? Like you said, you know, it's new. It's a new year, even though we're the same people. Okay. But how do you give yourself permission to, you know, consider this a clean slate? Mm -hmm. And then how do you set a new vision? I, I love it. <laughs> I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, the first thing I think about is this sort yeah. of self-compassion practice. And I think this was a throughout 2020 of, you know, there's a global pandemic happening. And so our goals get to be yeah, different yeah, now true. than usual because we're under more stress. We are experiencing chronic trauma. And so our goals don't have to be what they might be in a quote unquote normal year. <laughs> and so I think that practice of self-compassion of like, it's okay if my goal this year is to make it through. It doesn't have to be I'm going to start a new business or make this much or I'm going to, you know, read 500 books. Um, it can be something simple. I'm going to drink water every day. I'm going to make sure I eat breakfast every day. Right. Um, so I just want to name that, like, 
our goals don't have to be huge ever, but especially now, given all the things that we are experiencing as a human society. That being said, I, I think that when we are setting goals, it's really, really useful to make sure that those goals are grounded in a core value. And so what I mean by that is one of, one of my goals for the year is to read 45 books. I love reading and um, I like to set a book goal every year. And so one of my goals this year is to read 45 books. And if I set that goal as I want to read 45 books, and the reason why I'm setting that is because I want to look impressive to my friends on Goodreads and I want, you know, people to think that I'm smart, right? And like, that's a really shame-based goal setting, right? But I'm setting that goal from a place of I really enjoy reading. Just the, the act of sitting down to read a book is enjoyable to me. It is self-care to me. It helps um, expose me to different perspectives on the world. It helps me learn about new things. And I value all of that stuff. And so the goal is really grounded in something I really deeply value. And that helps prevent shame. Where if I don't reach the goal of 45, let's say I only read 35 books. Well, oh my gosh, look, I still have read 35 books where I learned about 35 new things. And I got 35 new perspectives on something. Um, and that is still valuable. Okay. Okay. Right? And so I think when we can step back and look at what's the value behind this specific goal I'm setting, it can help sort of bust up shame if the goal doesn't end up happening or happens differently. That makes sense. So that's something that people can do as they are setting up a new vision for the rest of this year. You said we need to focus on core values, but I don't know if you've noticed a lot of people have don't have core values mm, or they don't know what they are we all have them we just yeah. don't be able to- of course yes yes we all have our values but a lot of us are just following our the value system that we are following isn't really our own it is massively influenced by what we watch on social media or what we see on television and or our parents or our childhood right so if people were to set up like set a reset button on their core values because Core values, the very name, you know, the very wording tells you that it is so fundamental to how your life is going to pan out. Yeah. How can they go about that? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up, that so many of our values are sort of conditioned or they're handed to us and we pick them up without knowing. Um, And so I think, again, that's where we can, I mean, you could sit down and look at what are my actual core values? And there are a lot of exercises around that where you can, you know, go through values words and pick out the ones that resonate the most and pick, I like to do with my clients, I like to pick a top three, um, just because that's a manageable number. (laughs) Uh, You could do that sort of practice to articulate and name what are my true core values and not the ones I've been handed by social media, society, my parents. If that's something that doesn't sound interesting to people, what we can do is look at the goal you've set for the year and work backwards. Where did this goal come from? What does this goal mean to me? Is this goal of weight loss based in wanting to feel healthier or you know have more energy or is it based in I wanna look X way so that people will like, right? Those are very different ways of going about the same goal. And so I think that working backwards of like, where is this coming from? Um, and what value is it based in? And is it one that I really picked? Or is it someone else's core value that that is influencing the way I live my life? Yeah, I think that reflection. Yeah, and again, journaling can help you do that. Yeah. I think that that would be a 
because there's always a story you know behind everything that we choose to do and everything we choose not to do and it is important to have clarity around that story yeah. so i think journaling and what you've just suggested that technique that working backwards from that goal and figuring out what is leading you down that path could really help mm-hmm. i think especially as you set a vision for yourself and you do periodic or not even periodic we're we're constantly checking in with ourselves like where am i with this vision or this is never going to happen now because it's it's 3 months into 2021 and i'm i'm exactly where i was at the start of the year so how can we we avoid that very toxic self criticism because that has never helped anyone oh i God. think yeah no <laughs> self criticism rarely <laughs> is helpful um shame is never helpful to me um yeah so i i, I think about two things one is a little bit more technical like pragmatic and the other one's a little bit more of a practice. Um so I'll I'll go the practical route first. When we I think this about new year's resolutions a lot. We set these huge lofty goals. Um yeah, often, yeah. a lot of us do. And then we don't we kind of leave it at that, right? And so I think about setting quarterly, monthly, weekly check-ins. Okay. Right? If my goal for the year is to I'll go back to mine of reading 45 books. That's like about a book a week, right? So, okay, I need to go to the library every Sunday and get a yeah. new book. Yeah. Um and then, you know, in March, let's say if we do a quarterly system in March, I'll check in how many books have I read. You know, oh gosh, it looks like I'm a little bit behind. Maybe I need to pick up a couple more for April. Um and so I think checking those points of, you know, what is my big goal and then what does this look like week to week? What does this look like month to month? so that we can set out specific sort of checkpoints um to help ourselves actually meet the goal rather than set ourselves up to have this giant goal and then not actually make a specific plan and then it doesn't happen and then we shame ourselves that it didn't happen right yeah <laughs> um, and so i think there's that practical piece of it okay um the other piece of it i think again is that self compassion practice um and this i super recommend looking into um Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion her last name is spelled n e f f um she has a website self-compassion.org that has a million resources on it i am constantly recommending her work and she talks about self-compassion is really approaching yourself with kindness and friendliness with disidentifying from behaviors right or disidentifying from um like the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves right like this is a story and doesn't have to be you know who i accept myself as and then that connection to common humanity right it is hard to set a goal it's hard to reach a goal and so if at the end of 2021 we didn't reach a goal we can say like okay this doesn't have to mean anything about who i am everybody sets goals they don't reach sometimes yeah. 2021 is a hard year right <laughs> yeah. we can do yeah common humanity like but he's having a hard time reaching goals right now. Um and then that friendliness to ourselves. And and when I think about that I look at like what would I say to my best friend if they came to me and were saying the things to me that I'm saying to myself right now. My best friend came to me and said like ah I'm such a such an idiot. I can't do anything. I'm not effective and I just will never be able to reach that goal. I wouldn't be like yeah you suck and I hate you, right? Like that's how we talk to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> My friend, I was saying, "Oh man, like how can I help you? I'm really sorry you didn't get there, but you're awesome and you're rad in these ways and I love you." Right? Like that's how we talk to our friends. And so can we do that to ourselves? 
brilliantly put. <laughs> the the whole approach is so simple but people don't really use this approach don't talk to yourself how you wouldn't talk to a friend or a loved one just don't do that but exactly. people very often forget that and this this toxic thought process they they start spiraling and everything around them seems to be attacking them the whole narrative becomes so hateful that it doesn't really help yeah. you grow and it takes a lot of practice because in in my experience and i you know have had and continue to have some pretty toxic self-talk. Um, it takes practice in noticing how we're talking to ourselves. Because a lot of us, I think, our self-talk is like the air we breathe. We don't notice it yeah. until it's sort of forced us, we're forced to notice it. Yeah. And so if we could start to just call attention to, oh man, I just said something really mean to myself. Yeah. I just looked in the mirror and called myself five different names in 10 seconds or gosh I just didn't I didn't do that well in that project at work and what did I say to myself that I'm an idiot oh no right like right. even just noticing that it's happening starts to change our self-talk and then we can start to add on okay what's a nicer kinder thing I could say to myself right now and then it might be for a while that practice of jumping from the initial instinct of self-criticism to, okay, now I'm going to add on a positive statement. And then eventually the positive kinder statements sort of become more of the default. And so I, I notice a lot of times people get critical about being critical on themselves. They're like, God, I'm so mean to myself. And ah, that sucks. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, second. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's mean to themselves sometimes. Um, and really takes practice to change that like default way of engaging with ourselves um it takes practice and time yeah and I'll add to that yeah. because I know how everyone's going a little crazy about being you know having a healthier immune system negative self-talk yeah. actually derails that it, it impacts your immune system mm -hmm. I'm reading this book on emotional intelligence and there's this whole chapter about how everything you feel your emotions impact your immune system as well and i think as a therapist you would be fully aware of this uh, concept and i think a lot of people are very unaware of this that they say that it's like a physical bruise every time you you uh, say something negative and awful to yourself or somebody else say something awful to yourself i think that's something i would love to know more about if you can talk about that because i think not many people are aware of this yeah yeah self-criticism and emotional suppression essentially um both of have a really significant impact on our immune system. There's a great book. It's called um, When the Body Says No. It's by a doctor. Uh, his name is Gabor Mate, who has written a ton of brilliant books. Um, and in this one, he talks about the impact of unexpressed stress and how it can have these impacts on our immune system, have these impacts on all these body systems, and how being more aware of our emotions, expressing those emotions, being kind to ourselves in the face of those emotions actually can make us physically healthier, right? Okay. So our emotions and our bodies are not separate entities. They happen in the same system and they impact each other in really big ways. So to all those people who are doing crazy amounts of exercise to look better or doing crazy diets to be healthier, you have to pay attention to your emotions as well, because if you're not taking care of your 
emotional well-being, then a lot of what you're doing is not going to work out exactly the way you want it to. Emotional health is physical health and physical health is emotional health. They are so related. Thank you so much for adding that <laughs> because it's something very fundamental and we all need to be aware of it. Totally. Now, going back to what we were talking about, how as we analyze our goals and being more realistic, so have, having little steps so that it's more achievable and we have a better idea of how, whether we're going to get there or not. Mm-hmm. Do you think having an accountability partner can be helpful? It depends on the person, both you setting the goal, who you choose as an accountability partner, and how you set them up as an accountability partner. So I'll I'll start with you, the goal setter, right? Um, Gretchen, uh, have you heard of Gretchen Rubin? She wrote a book called The Four Tendencies. So she talks about these four tendencies uh, as it relates to habit change. So she talks about rebels upholders, obligers, and questioners. And rebels are people who might have a hard time setting and maintaining goals in any sense. Um, Questioners are people who are like, well, why does that need to be a goal? Why do you think it needs to be a goal? I have to believe that it needs to be a goal for me. I'm not going to take an outside goal. It has to be something I choose, right? Um, Upholders tend to be like, okay, you set me a goal. I will do it and it will happen. And they just sort of like tend to have an easier time with it. And obligers tend to have a hard time setting a goal if it's only them and have an easier time setting a goal if it impacts other people. And so when I look at, does an accountability partner feel helpful to to you? I look at, well, what's your type, right? I'm an obliger. So an accountability partner super helps me because if I, I've told now your entire audience, I want to read 45 books this year. So you better believe I'm going to read 45 (laughs) books this year. Okay. Everybody knows. Um, and, And that's just part of, part of how I operate in the world. So an accountability partner is really helpful to me, even if it's a vague one, like your audience who I don't know. But someone like a questioner, my husband's a questioner, he doesn't need an accountability partner because if he's decided that a goal makes sense for him, then he's going to do it because he's thought through and he's an engineer and he does all these things. Um, And so it's a little bit less helpful for him. And so I think there's some reflection on will an accountability partner actually be useful for the way that I interact with goals? For some people, it might be. For some people, it won't. Um, And I think Gretchen Rubin, I think she has an assessment on her website that you can figure out what your tendency is. Um, And it's really quick, like a couple minutes. I took it years ago, so I don't remember. I don't know if it's still up, Um, but that can be useful. And then I also think about like, who do you choose as your accountability partner? Is it somebody that you already have a lot of conflict with that's going to be really difficult? Is it somebody who has the same goal as you? That can be really useful if you're doing the thing together. Um, So I think who you choose is really useful. And then also talking to them about how they can support you, right? Because if I'm reading 45 books and you text me every Sunday, like, did you read a book this week? I'm going to be like, oh, shut up, leave me alone, (laughs) right? (laughs) for me. But for me, knowing that you know that that's my goal is enough. For other people, they might need that text every Sunday of like, hey, how are you doing? Have you read, you know, a couple of chapters today? Um, So I think it's important to also talk with your accountability partner about what that accountability system looks like, what you need. Do you need reminders? Do you need support? Do you need pushing every once in a while? Or do you need the person to maybe just step back and let you come to them? I think that's really important just to make sure that you are you're clear on what sort of kind of what sort of accountability is actually useful. Okay, so as we are going into 2021, setting up goals, we need to be more compassionate to ourselves. 
we need to be have a very clear idea of what our core values are. And if we're unclear about it, as we set goals, we need to work backwards and find out what led to that goal and whether that makes sense to us and whether that is in alignment with what we want to believe and how we want a life to be to be like. And another thing you suggested for core values was to do like a free word association or or take top three core values that work for us. Mm-hmm. So once we have those goals set up, we need to have smaller goals to reach the bigger goal so that we are more realistic in our approach and we know exactly where we are uh, in the pursuit of that of that goal so that three months or six months down the line, we don't have a sudden jolt to our system. And having an accountability partner depends on who we choose and we need to be clear about who we are picking, how we want them to hold us accountable and what kind of communication we want to maintain throughout. Absolutely. Did I miss yeah. anything? <laughs> That's a great summary. (laughs) And then there's, of course, journaling as your continuous friend. That's something you suggested, along with meditation that can help people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But doing all of these things, I hope people do them. But as you're doing them and as you're analyzing yourself, if it turns out for whatever reason, like we saw with 2020, none of this was our fault. So in a situation like that, when things are not going as we planned them, How do we continue to feel good about ourselves? Because a lot of people do a lot of self-denigration, self-blame, which as we said, it doesn't help. We have already talked about that. So how can we feel good? Are there any practices or tools they can use to feel good about themselves? If I don't reach a goal because of something external to me, why am I going to then turn around and blame it on myself? Right? If you don't reach a goal because you, you know, if you don't, let's say in 2020, let's say you didn't reach a a financial savings goal because you lost your job because of COVID. Like that's not about you. That's not your fault. That's not, you know, something you could have foreseen or prevented. It just is. And it sucks. Let me say like the reality of that is awful. Um, And a lot of people are experiencing that. But I think that practice of zooming out and looking at, well, why didn't this happen? And really asking that question in a super kind way, like, rather than why didn't this happen? What's wrong with you that it didn't happen? Which is, I think, the tone with which we often ask that question. But rather that curiosity of like, well, well hey, what what might have gone on that, that prevented me from reaching that goal? Oh, COVID happened. Or, you know, I had an unforeseen death in the family or I lost my job. Okay, that's all out of my control. Nothing I could have prevented or changed. Versus maybe we might ask that question. We say, oh, wow, I just really didn't, I just really didn't focus on that. I, you know, I'm reading 40 books that year just became unimportant to me once the COVID pandemic started. Okay. It's okay to shift a goal, right? And so if we do it with that sort of kind curiosity, then we can zoom out and look at what actually happened and be nice to ourselves about, about those factors. They were in or out control right okay that might help people you know dissociate some of that blame from themselves but we very often build this life in our head and we have these ideas that our life needs to look like this for it to be a success for us to be a success so and what can people do to really clear that up in their head to know that their life the way it is at that point in time it's okay to accept that and be okay with that and 
love that and love themselves. When I heard you say, you know, my life needs to look like this, the immediate thought that came to my mind was, says who? Right. Right? Like, who says our lives need to look any specific way? And again, I think it's coming back to what we were talking about earlier with values. You know, where does that idea that your life has to look like that come from? Does it come from you and something you truly want? Or does it come from what you think other people think you should want? And so again, I, I come back to what do we actually value? Is our life looking that specific way actually important? Or can we hone our vision in, really clarify with ourselves what we want our life to look like and not what other people think our life should look right. like? Right. Okay. And then, so let's say, you know, your life isn't looking the way that you want and you've decided that it is within your values that you think your life should look like that. I'll use an example. I think a lot of people... Um, I'm, I'm 30. And so a lot of people my age are sort of in that place of like, I want to be around getting married and maybe having kids, right? And so I, I have a friend who is in that place, right? She really, really wants to be in a relationship right now. And she's not. And that is something that she truly values, truly wants for her life and is very like in a place that that's not something that is present in her life right now. And so to me, that's not like a goal that society has pushed on her. It's just really something she wants. And there's this practice, I think, when we're in that sort of place, something I really want is just happening right now. Can we, again, sort of back up and be kind to ourselves that maybe there's a lot out of our control, that life is long <laughs> and there's time. Yeah. And, and sort of coming back to meditation, I think in a meditation or a mindfulness practice, there's this idea of just being present with what is without judgment, right? Even if it's not necessarily what we want, we can sit with it. We can tolerate the discomfort of that. We can know that we have a goal, still take action towards that goal and learn to be present with and tolerant of the discomfort that what is right now is not exactly what we want. Yeah. And in that way, I think we can sort of hold ourselves with care when our lives aren't looking or going the way that we really want them to. Well, I think another thing, like speaking of goal setting, you know, if our lives aren't the way we want them to be, we can set some more specific goals okay. in a kind, non-shame-based way. <laughs> we can say, okay, I really want to be dating. Okay. Am I on dating apps? Am I meeting people? Well, as much as we can in COVID. Okay. Let me create a profile. Let me start acting towards that goal. Right. So I think there's that self-reflection too of what am I not doing or what am I doing that might be getting in the way of me going where I want to go. Um, and obviously, as I've been saying, like doing that with a lot of kindness and without shaming yourself, um, those specific goals. Okay. Well, I want that and I'm here. Okay. There's one, two, three, four, five steps between here and there. Let's start take step one today. So I, I think for, for folks where maybe that like more nebulous, like sit with it and practice meditation and be nice to yourself, <laughs> that doesn't work for everybody. Those more tangible goals of, okay, now I'm going to do this. And once that's done, I'm going to do this. And that's going to help me get where I want to go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So mm. we do everything with compassion. We don't use words that we wouldn't use to other people or our loved ones. And we set clear, tangible goals that actually make sense yes. in the timeline that we have set up for ourselves. And we don't work according to someone else's timeline. We we have time and things will happen when they're meant to happen. Yeah, I hope that helps set more realistic goals in the coming year because, again, everything is so unpredictable and 
we don't know how it's going to go but i think your instagram account is going to help people a lot because you in a very humorous way you share some very <laughs> involved concepts on your instagram and i think those will help people a lot but apart from your instagram any other sources that you yeah. can recommend to people that they can use yeah uh so my instagram is at tony talks therapy that's tony with an i i have a podcast of the same name tony talks therapy that's starting back up soon um pending me making time to do it <laughs> Um, so those are great resources. Like I said, I've got the journal prompts in my, if you go to my Instagram, there's a download, a link in my bio to download those journal prompts. I talked about Kristen Neff. If you're wanting more on self-compassion, I've sort of been harping on that today. Um, Kristen with a K N E F F she's at self-compassion.org. That's an awesome resource. Um, I should say for people who are interested in the more like tangible goal setting, I super recommend a planner. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, super type A person. And I love a planner I've been using, and this is not an ad, I promise. I've been using the passion planner for like the past four to five years now. And I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it is really, really useful to sort of help set those goals and then break them down week by week, day by day. So I think really any planner is helpful, but I love that one specifically. Um, if you are one of those people who really needs that sort of structure or likes to write down the goals and create a plan around them, I think that's an awesome resource there. Yeah. I will share all of these links with, with the audience. I think your Instagram, anybody who follows you on Instagram or your podcast, you come across as someone super approachable like super real I, I want to say real because you know when we think about therapists we always have this idea of some I don't know why it is so but we always think it's going to be someone very judgmental right and so people avoid therapy I think a lot of what went down in 2020 could have been handled better if people just had someone to talk to totally and in some a professional would have helped yeah you know yeah. but people I think are scared of therapy. Mm -hmm. And so this is something I wanted to ask you, if you can, if it's even possible for you to do, can you give people an idea what a therapy session looks like, or what it looks like, maybe just with you, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure, because each therapist has their own approach. And what are some red flags that you need to make a note of, and that tell you that it is time for you to get some help? Yes, yes. Um, so I'll start with some of the red flags. If you're you know, on the extreme end, if you're experiencing something like suicidal thoughts or thoughts of hurting other people, that to me is like the clearest sign that support is necessary. Okay. There's a lot in the in the intermediate, right? You're feeling more and more depressed. You're experiencing a lot of anxiety. Um, you're experiencing stress. I mean, even just like with no other emotional or mental health symptoms and you're just stressed in 2020, right? Like that's a good reason to go to therapy. Um, if you've experienced a trauma and you're having flashbacks or nightmares or you're really needing to process that trauma, that's an awesome reason to go to therapy. If you've noticed in 2020, and I know that, that I know this from talking to a lot of people, if you've increased your alcohol use and you're feeling like, oh, that's not actually how I wanna be, that's an awesome reason to go yeah. to therapy, right? Um, if your relationship with a significant other or a family member is really strained. You can talk to a therapist about how to manage that. So I think there's so many signals that say we can go to therapy. And to me, it's like you want something to be different and you think therapy might be helpful, right? Like to me, that's that's all that we need. Or even I think therapy might be helpful and I don't even know what I want to be different, but I'd like to explore myself and get to know myself better. Great. So to me, there's like so many different reasons to go. And 
to your point about therapists sort of being put on this pedestal, like we are humans, <laughs> we are not. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many sessions I had in 2020 where my clients are like, what should I do to get through this? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, let's brainstorm. <laughs> um, and it's been great. Um, so, I mean, not every therapist operates that way, but I very much operate from my humanness first versus from my like therapist mode. Um, and so I, I hear that there, and I know that there is a lot of fear and stigma and judgment about going to therapy. And yeah. you know, I, if I can say anything, it's just like therapy is super helpful. And if people judge you for it, that's on them and not you. And so a typical therapy session, you know, like you said, looks different for every therapist and client combination. But often what happens is you do usually a free consultation to talk with the therapist to sort of get a sense for whether or not they're a good fit for you. If you feel comfortable with them, you can ask about their background, their training, their approach. And then you'll do your intake paperwork and a first session. And typically the first session, the way I handle it is like, tell me what brought you here. And then we'll go from there and just sort of follow the story, follow curiosity, gather some history um, as much as clients are willing to share. And then from there, any session can look like, what's going on for you this week? What's on your mind? And then we process that together. Or, hey, last time you brought up this thing with your, your mom that's really, really a struggle for you. Can we talk more about that today and really dig into it? Or it might be something happened that week or that day that's just really stressful and like, okay, let's Let's help you make a decision around that. And so sessions can look so many different ways. And I'll, I'll plug my podcast again. Uh, there's two episodes. One is on how to find a therapist and starting therapy. I think it's one of the early episodes. And then there's another episode on getting the most out of therapy. Um, those two, I really, really detail like how to get into therapy, how insurance works, what a therapy session is and looks like. And then when you're in therapy, like how to really utilize the process. Um, and then I have a, an episode also with uh, Dr. Christina on Instagram. I don't know if you follow her, but she's awesome, um, where she and I talk about mental health stigma and a lot of the judgments around therapy. And uh, we sort of bust that up. So those are three episodes I'll plug now where I talk a lot more about this. <laughs> I, I'll share all the links. This is awesome because I I think 2000, in 2020, people struggled so much. If they had only asked for help, a lot of the trauma, the difficulties, right. struggles that people went through could have been avoided. So, and I'll add my own uh, experience to that. I started therapy. I know I had the same ideas that no therapy, not a great idea. I don't, because I'm an intensely private person. So for me, it was very difficult decision to make but I think I was yeah. just sick of being the person that I was and everything I was doing on my own was no longer working so sure hit your problem on your own but if nothing is working get help go to a therapist they're super awesome people <laughs> and if you don't like like their approach you can either work with them tell them that the, the approach is not working or you could go to another therapist so yeah those episodes I think will help people a lot I will make sure I share those links and now for the question that I always ask all my guests is if you could give only one tip to the people listening to this episode, only one tip, keeping in mind the super busy schedules we've built up for ourselves, what would that one tip be? Slow down and breathe. Take moments to just take a breath. Take moments between sending one email before you send the next email, take a breath. You know, go to the bathroom before you go back to work or before you go back to taking care of your kids. Just slow down. Take a breath. 
I think especially right now, things are so chaotic and so stressful and we are going all the time. I think making that space to slow down and breathe, even if it's just one breath, <laughs> is really, really supportive for our, our whole systems. Yeah. So that was Tony Oswegan, and I am so grateful to have had her on the show. If you want the list of resources mentioned in this episode, you can get it on my website, redefinednarrative.com. Search for the podcast episode, and there should be a list of resources and links for you to explore. And if you want to get in touch with our guest, the page will have all their relevant information. Now, if you found today's episode useful, please rate and review the show on iTunes or share it on Instagram. It will help others find the information should they need it. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore krapi so that I can thank you for your time. And if there is any particular issue or concern you would like for me to cover on the show, reach out to me on Instagram or use the contact page on my website. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.